Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from afar away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before the people to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wouldn't it be great? Ah, wouldn't it be great, my friends, if this world operated like the Garden of Eden? Seriously, just just ponder that a moment. Imagine having everything that you needed. Imagine being content, not only with yourself, but with your neighbor. Imagine having plenty to do, plenty to eat, along with no threats to your life. It'd be glorious. But as you know, this all changed. Sin ruined everything. And so here we are in this world, a world with tears, a world with sorrow, hunger, fear, pain, need, and want. Now, regardless of what silly, positive, motivational speakers may say, this world, my friends, bluntly stated, it's tough. No doubt about it. It's harsh. Turn on the nightly news and you will see how tough the world really is. Every day people die of hunger, natural disasters, they come along, they just destroy things in their path. People suffer and big people, well, they always are stepping on little people. It's a jungle out there. It is. It's a jungle out there. Sure, there are stories of people doing nice things in this world, kind things. A stranger saving a drowning puppy, uh, perhaps a long line of drive through cars where customers buy strangers a Starbucks coffee for free, and that typical story that we hear from time to time where a homeless man helps tourists from being run over by a train. I mean, stories like that. But these stories, they tend to be, yes, they tend to be few and far between. The reason why? 
the world is, more often than not, a cutthroat, dog-eat-dog world. That is to say, we live in a cruel world, where everyone else around us competes nonstop for awards, accolations, recognition, and resources. For example, because sin wrecked the world, and it has also wrecked the humanity's heart, humanity's hearts, we're not content, we're not satisfied, or generous. But instead, humanity, yes, our minds and our hearts are constantly wanting money and sex and power and material things, always reaching, always taking. And once we get these things, well, then greed sets in and we take these things and we hoard them. We hold on to them. And when we're not hoarding these things, well, we are then over-consuming to the point of wasteful gorging. To make things even worse... Our sinful hearts, they go the way of pride, not humility. We go the way of envy and not charity. We go the way of vengeance and not patience. Indeed, this world is sick. Mankind's heart is sick as well. We are living the exact, here's the key, we're living the exact opposite of the Garden of Eden, which is why there are so many tears, which is why there's so much sorrow, so much hunger, so much fear and pain and want and need in this world. Now, we need to pause and be honest about things, though. Too often, people blame God for all of this. But truth be told, it is our fault, not his. Let us not forget that it was Adam and Eve who ruined everything in that Garden of Eden. And just in case you want to blame Adam and Eve, well, keep in mind that you were right there with them, too. You see, please do not be so naive to say this. Well, if, if I were Adam or Eve, I wouldn't have messed things up so bad. I would have done better. Friends, this kind of prideful thinking is exactly what landed Adam and Eve into so much trouble in the first place. And so the way things are in the world is because of you and me. It's because of us. The way things are in our hearts is our fault. My sin, my sin. My sin is my fault. Your sin is your fault. It is our entire fault. All of humanity, the rich, the poor, the wise, the foolish, the strong, the weak, all of us are in this together. To loosely paraphrase the Apostle Paul, hear this. Nobody lives right. Not one. Everyone has taken a wrong turn. We all have participation trophies for being the center of the year. We don't know the first thing about living kindly for others. Now, just in case I have not been blunt enough, let me try to be even more blunt, to be blunter still. If God were to blast each and every one of us to hell, that would not be harsh. It would not be evil. It would not be unfair. You heard that correctly. If God were to crush the world in one powerful act of vengeance, indeed, that would not be harsh, it would not be evil, and it would not be unfair, but completely righteous and good, for that is exactly what we deserve. It is exactly what we deserve. But, but the Lord God, he does not do this. You see, the Lord God is not distant in heaven, cooking up a recipe of poison for you and for me, plotting to destroy us with an evil plan. 
but instead he has compassion. Consider our reading from the Gospel of Mark this morning for a moment. There was a great crowd gathered around Jesus, and they had nothing to eat. And instead of dismissing them on their way into the wilderness to fend for themselves, well, Jesus, he had compassion, and he freely fed them. He told them to sit down on the ground so that he could give them and deliver to them food. He did this because he had compassion for the crowd. The word compassion, it's an interesting word. In our reading from the Gospel of Mark, it is a word that that captures not only an emotion, get this, but it's also a characteristic of Jesus. Stated simply, when Jesus had compassion on the hungry crowd, his, his inner gut was eaten up with pity and mercy for them to the point that he was driven to do something for them. The word, the, word, the word compassion is an intense word showing a deep, yes, a deep sense of gut-wrenching anguish and desire that forces a person, it just forces a person to act on behalf of another. And so because of compassion, Jesus multiplied bread and fish to feed the people. Now, dear friends, do not let the simplicity of the story pass you by. Jesus, he fed people spiritually and physically by teaching them and feeding them, giving them food. He did this because of his compassion. And so right there, 4,000 people were given, they were given a glimpse of the Garden of Eden. There at that moment, there at that time, they had everything. Their souls were full of the rich word of God, And their stomachs were full of good food, and they rested on the ground without worry in the presence of Jesus, content, satisfied. Baptized saints, do you realize that in Christ, in his second coming, the curse, the curse will be completely undone? The curse of Adam and Eve, the curse of that garden what happened that day? Do you realize that in Christ, the paradise of Eden will be restored to you? You see, Jesus Christ has endured, yes, he has endured the burden of the curse of Adam and Eve and was raised on the third day to bring you back to the paradise of Eden and the paradise of Eden back to you. He does this because he's compassionate towards you. He was not content and he was not satisfied to leave the world and you in sin. So what this means is that in Jesus, you receive the comfort of the Garden of Eden. When Jesus comes to you today at this Lord's Supper, when you kneel and receive at this Lord's Supper, you taste the bounty of Eden. And when Jesus comes back a second time, the abundant bounty of Eden will be restored to you with a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the application of all of this is quite relevant. It is quite relevant for you and me. In other words, today's sermon that we're tackling right now and the reading from the Gospel of Mark is not just some theoretical exercise in mythological stories with Jesus, but it is a reality for you and for me. Consider this for a moment. This last week, as I was driving on Broadway here in Minot, I saw at least a dozen signs begging for employees, $16 an hour to cook hamburgers, $300 sign-on bonus to work at a gas station, and so forth. However, at the same time, in the grocery stores and retail stores, shelves seem to be very empty. 
A table grinder is five months back ordered. Grocery stores can't get bottled water because there's a shortage of plastic. Chicken is only being delivered at 50% capacity. And let us not forget at the same time the increased prices. Gas is up 40%. I'm told that some pork went from $1.50 a pound to $3.80 a pound. A pallet of coffee, get this, went from $1,500 to $2,200. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve has injected $10 trillion new dollars into our economy for the purpose of propping it up and stimulating it. As a friend said to me on this subject, it's actually a perfect storm of conflicting supply and demand, as well as a drastic government financial intervention, which will result, get this, in something having to give. What will give, though? Well, only time will tell. Now, I don't share this to be a doomsday prophet, and I am certainly not an economic consultant giving you financial advice. But I share this because it is evidence to us that the economic and political systems that we find ourselves within are fragile, erratic in this life under the sun. That is to say, do not be surprised, my friends, if things do not go well in this life. If things are good, well, God be praised. Indeed, if things go well, we say God be praised. However, if things go bad, it should not surprise you and me. If things get worse in the upcoming months and years, we should not be alarmed because we know that lust and greed and gluttony and pride and envy and vengeance and sloth, they permeate the world that we live within. This is how things are. We're living in the opposite of Eden right now. And so we must understand that at the end of the day, human leaders, institutions, and systems can't save us. But for you, yes, for each and every one of you, for you, dear Christians, you know compassion. Yes, you know compassion. Not the compassion of humanity, but the compassion of Christ for you. And so when the world throws its worst and even turns its back on you, and perhaps even if the world turns you upside down and upside around, well, your hope is not in this world. It is in Christ. Your hope is in the fact that Christ has not left us for dead, but has had compassion on us. Your hope is in Get this, not a temporal kingdom, but an everlasting kingdom. Your hope is in the new heaven and the new earth, the abundance of Eden that will be restored to you. And so, chins up. Chins up, baptized saints. Your hope is not in a fragile dominion, but in an enduring dominion. Your assurance is not in anything temporal, erratic, or fragile, but it is in the one who is above, below, at the beginning, and then at the end, the one who holds all things together, Christ Jesus, the compassionate one for you. Without his compassion, we would be left for dead. But because of his compassion, Christ Jesus not only bled and died for you, but promises to come again to renew the abundant bounty of Eden by giving you a new heaven and a new earth. And hear this, in Christ and his gifts, there is complete, yes, contentment and satisfaction, for he has done all things well. Christ for you, Christ indeed for you, he holds you, you hold him, Christ today and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.